In today's show, I'm going to look at some players who stand out as really highly ranked through a couple of advanced statistics and whether that means anything for this coming season or dynasty leagues in general in the future. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all air, on, on all platforms. Can't speak. That's cool. That's great when your job is speaking. Um... Yeah, look, the last two days in the NBA, two days, there's been two signings. Goran Dragic went to the Chicago Bulls. Cool. Serge Ibaka went back to the Milwaukee Bucks. Cool. So nothing happening. No trades, no nothing. So nothing to report on there. So in terms of finding what we're going to talk about today, what I thought I'd do is go through the advanced stats. And the three advanced stats that I, I don't say rely upon, but the ones that I check the most... All the ones that I have trust in, you know, PR, no. Box score plus minus, less so. Win shares, no. Um, these are the three that I look at. And don't look at them all in a vacuum. You, you combine them with a number of different things. But it is estimated plus minus, which you can find at the website dunksandthrees.com. EPM, it's also known as. There is the LeBron metric, which you can find at Basketball Index. And then there is the Raptor metric, which you can find at 538.com. They all have um, large explanations of what all these things mean and how they're calculated. I don't give you the exact formula. But basically what they do is they try and boil down a the, the performance of a player into a single number based on like a plus minus sort of thing. Like how much value is this player giving you yeah, per 100 possessions. That's what all of these numbers mean. Estimated plus minus Raptor and LeBron. They use different things. Raptor uses things like, you know, passes to open teammates and you know, things like that. It's, it's not just, it's not the on-off. It's not like what are the points scored when you're on versus when they're off. There's box score components. There's on-off components. There's luck adjusted components, which is a big part of the LeBron thing. And luck adjusted means opponent free throw shooting, for example, which you know, if the opponent shoots 100% from the line or 50% of the line, you don't get credit for that as a defender. So while that goes against your your regular plus minus, it doesn't go into LeBron thing. Yeah, you know, wide open three point shooting is often not is often yeah a luck adjusted thing. Letting them get wide open is a factor, but whether they go in or not, it's not really anything to do with the defense. So those sort of things um, are calculated into all of those. So they're the three all-in-one advanced stats that I use the most. A positive number is good. Usually around zero is neutral. Sometimes they have a baseline of negative one, negative two, but you can go and have a look on the sites. But looking at percentiles or where players rank in these numbers, it can give you some insight and some players that 
yeah, in, it doesn't always correlate to fantasy, but there's usually a fantasy component to looking at some of these numbers and some of these players that are high on these lists that the general public, the casual NBA fan, the casual fantasy basketball player might not be as interested in these sort of players. So maybe there's a little bit of extra value in these guys. Did I sell it enough? Did I explain it enough? I bloody hope so. So let's, Warnie, get into it. In fact, let's get it on. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Some names here. Some of you will know, well, actually, I think if you're listening to this podcast, the Fantasy Basketball Podcast on the 4th of July, happy 4th of July to those of you in the United States. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you, you know who these players are, but it's important to see just how impactful these three guys that we start off with here, which is, you can see on the screen, are. And the first one I want to talk about is the the, the, the doctor, Gary Payton II. Because he's recently had a lot more attention, signing that three-year, almost $30 million deal to go to Portland, the injury in the playoffs, the return during the finals. But he was, right across the board in these metrics, a top 50 player this season. 30th in EPM, 30th in Le- oh, sorry, 49th in LeBron, and 7th in Raptor. Now, that's in absolute large part, gigantic part, because of how good he is defensively. But one thing we can't discount with Gary Payton is he shot 62% from the field. And he is not a three-point shooter. Doesn't attempt threes, doesn't hit him at 36, but never attempts him. Just insane finishing numbers. He was the 210th ranked player in fantasy this season. Played 17 minutes a game. The Blazers' rotation, you would expect it's Lillard and Simons who start. Whether they start Josh Hart or Nasir Little at the three, I don't know. But Payton's 17 minutes... I would have to assume they jump up 21, 22. Could he have a similar impact to what um, the rabbit hunter Alex Caruso had last season? Quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. I don't think that's crazy. Peyton, a massive steals guy. Like that's what you're going to get from him. Really good efficiency, really big steals numbers. Okay, rebounds, but not much else. But it's a different environment. So, you know, when we talk dynasty, I'm not sure the value is super high there because he's going to be 30 really soon. But in terms of opportunity and impact last season, and now a little bit of a bigger role, he's someone to watch. Jakob Pertl, I did include him on this list because it just feels like the Spurs are going to trade him away. It feels like people don't realize how good he is. Um, and I want to highlight that to you. He is 26 years old. He is not old at all. He is on an expiring contract, so the Spurs might look to get rid of him, and that opens up some stuff with San Antonio, of course, but there's still a lot of things to happen with the Spurs. It's hard to dig into where all the value goes there. But Jakob Pertl was 76th in fantasy last year while shooting an absolutely putrid 49.5% from the line. You take that out, and his numbers jump significantly. 13 to 90 average with 1.7 blocks. But who would expect that he was a top 35 player across the board for advanced stats? 33rd in EPM, 23rd in LeBron, and 24th in Raptor. On a team that wasn't particularly good, his impact was higher than DeJounte Murray usually across the board. If he stays in San Antonio, yes, it will be hard for them to do much and maybe his minutes go down. But in a better environment, he played 29 minutes a game. Imagine he ends up Imagine he ends up in Phoenix. I don't know how it happens. And plays 32 minutes as their starting center. 
He's just a name that in a punt free throw situation is top 50, top 40 pretty easily. His impact is there. And he is still, he's probably just entering his prime now. So while it might seem like a perfect situation in San Antonio, I actually think there's more to Pirtle. I think that the 29 minutes can push higher. I think he can play 30, 31. I think there's a little bit more there with him. So just a name that I wanted to bring up. And of course, this one's an easy one. It's Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein was 34th in EPM, 36th in LeBron, and 52nd in Raptor. I maintain that he is as good, if not better, than Mitchell Robinson, but he probably won't get that opportunity. And while he got paid nicely, two years, $16 million, couldn't think of a worse situation for him to go and play than playing for the Knicks. So that's frustrating. Um, Robinson is not particularly healthy. So if Mitch does get hurt, they could go with a different direction. But we know Tom Thibodeau wants a rim protector. And you might say that Isaiah Hartenstein is not a rim protector. That's that's false. He's one of the best in the NBA. And if he played 30 minutes a night as the starting center, this is a top 50 player. So when we're looking at drafts, a long way off for fantasy drafts for sure. Um, when we're looking at drafts, taking him in the last round as Mitchell Robinson insurance, as maybe Tom Thibodeau realizes he's a really good player, um, there's a ton of value. He played 18 minutes a night last season and ranked 142nd. He averaged eight and five with almost or a bit over a block, good field goals. He's got scope to improve his free throws as well. There is, you know, what, what are you, eight and five? Like this is 11 and seven, 1.5 blocks, one steal, true shooting 65. Like he can do all of that. There's a ton of value in Hartenstein. The situation under the coach isn't great, but with the guy in front of him is useful. And yes, they paid Robinson more than they paid Hartenstein. They probably shouldn't. They also, the Detroit Pistons all the way, by, by the way, paid Marvin Bagley more than Hartenstein got paid. Marvin Bagley, that, the Rudy Gobert trade might be the worst move of the offseason. The Marvin Bagley contract is close to close to being the worst. It's it's probably second worst. Maybe there's something else I'm missing. It was shocking. Anyway, Hartenstein, advanced numbers, really, really like him. And moving teams now, the opportunity is uh, potentially shifting. There's also an opportunity for you guys to get your hands on an NBA Jam arcade machine. Our friends at Arcade 1UP are bringing back NBA Jam in the Shaq Edition machine, arcade form. Unbelievable. We all loved NBA Jam growing up, whether it was playing it at the arcade or playing it on our console. And now we can have our very own NBA Jam console in our homes. Not console, arcade. That's what I'm trying to say. It's one of the first games that ever had the digitized NBA licensed teams. We all remember getting those uh, great duos out there competing against our mates with balls on fire and um, the basketball also lighting up um, with no fouls, no free throws, crazy moves. We know what NBA Jam is. And you can get NBA Jam at the number one place for arcade games. Arcade, the number one, up.com. And it's going to be an early September ship date. So we've also, not only have they outs, they've, they've oversized it with their Shack edition, but you can get it for free. There is an opportunity. Go to arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up. Dot com slash locked on, and you've got until July the 8th, only a few days to go, to win an NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? Next bunch of guys. Brandon Clark sits at the top of this group of players, and this is really important. Brandon Clark was a guy that I loved in the draft. I thought it was ridiculous how far he fell down despite being older. He had a great rookie season and he had a terrible second season, which he did enter injured, but he was bad. 
Third season, he stepped it back up again. Still not quite where we need him to be. But now, this is a, this is the opportunity for Brandon Clark, who's ranked 151st last season. And if you're one of those sickos who cares about turnovers, he was ranked close to 100, I think. 10 and 5 with a block, 64% from the field, 0.6 steals. In college, he put up insane steal and block numbers. I'm losing faith that they're going to come in big volume in the NBA. But he was 53rd in EPM, 54th in LeBron, and 42nd in Raptor. Top, basically a top 50 player in the NBA. And now, and now, the guy who starts in front of him, Jaron Jackson Jr., is out until probably January, maybe longer. And the guy who last replaced Brandon uh, Jaron Jackson as the starter, Kyle Anderson, is in Minnesota. So Brandon Clark, I would expect you just pencil him in as a day one starter with 27 minutes a night, who puts up top 70 numbers, probably, maybe top 100 for the first three months of the season and maybe longer. And those numbers are all telling us how impactful he is. It might be better than that. His numbers might be insane to start the year. He is going to be... I get the feeling he might end up overdrafted because of this opportunity, but we need to see where it comes out. But the advanced numbers love him. Some of the fantasy impact loves him. And now the opportunity is absolutely through the roof. What it could also do, Brandon Clark is not particularly young. He's going to turn 26 really soon. Not that that's old, but for a guy in his fourth year, that's older. What it could do is in these first three months, if he's putting up top 40 numbers, which is not outrageous, if he's putting up those numbers, in a dynasty format, you try and parlay that into a sell because he probably doesn't profile as a long-term 30-minute-a-night starter. Probably a 24-minute-a-night guy long-term, I would guess. But if you can parlay that and sell at the absolute peak of his numbers while Jaron is out, you try and do it. Now, this is not... It's not a guarantee, of course, because he's been so impactful that maybe he could continue to be a top 50 guy and Jaron and Brandon are the front court of the future, which is, again, a distinct possibility. And they both play 30 minutes a night moving forward. But this is the chance to see this all come together. The next two guys, it's really frustrating because Emmanuel quickly is a top 60 player across all metrics. 58th in EPM, 59th in LeBron, and 29th in Raptor. Obert Toppin, well, he's not quite as good across all metrics, but 79th in APM, 79th in LeBron. Raptor hated him, 230th. The problem here is Jalen Brunson came in to take Emmanuel Quickly's minutes. Yes, Kemba Walker is gone. Alec Burks is gone. Kemba wasn't playing. Burks, interesting, but Brunson just takes Burks' minutes. So Quickly will probably get 25-26 unless they decide that Brunson and Quickly are going to be their starting backcourt. And I really, really doubt that Tom Thibodeau does that. But Quickly's advanced numbers are super interesting. Instead of spending $100 plus million plus on Bronson, I just would have said, Emmanuel, quickly, you're our starter now. Play 33 minutes and let's see what happens. He was 189th last year quickly in 23 minutes. He averaged 11, 3, and 3.5 and, and didn't shoot particularly well, 39% overall, but got to the line okay. He's got massive scope as a third-year player to improve efficiency. And the impact for him was really good. It helped that the guys in front of him, like Burks and Kemba and Fournier, were dreadful. It helped a lot but those numbers are great. And the same goes with Toppen, who put up those really big numbers. And towards the end of the year when Randall was out, he was great. Now, we've spoken about Hartenstein already. Mitchell Robinson's there and Julius Randall's there. So Toppen might get 14 minutes a night, unfortunately. But the thing to watch here, I didn't like Toppen where they drafted him. I thought he struggled as a rookie. He struggled a little bit this year, 269th in fantasy value. 
averaging nine and four. But his free throws were strong. His block numbers are okay. His field goals were good. He's never going to get assists. He's not going to be a high-volume three-point shooter, but he can hit one and a half to two. His percentages were up there, so that's encouraging. The, pro- the thing with him is it's a patience game. Julius Randle is not the long-term solution for the Knicks. I'm pretty confident with that, and I think they think that too. If they move out on from him, Toppin immediately, I think, becomes a top 100 fantasy option if Randle is moved. So it might be a one that happens at the deadline. It might be one that happens next offseason. But the Raptor metric there is a little bit iffy. But the other two, top 80 player, it's something it's something we have to we have to look at and we have to monitor it. Because I think when Randall gets moved, top and stock just goes through the roof. Jose Alvarado. I don't know where he's going to play or how much he's going to play this year, but 83rd in EPM, 25th in LeBron, and 14th in Raptor. 14th. Raptor does love really big defensive impact. He was 276th in fantasy rankings last season. He's 24 already. We, that's a problem. He didn't shoot free throw as well. He didn't shoot three-point as well, 29%. He averaged three assists and 1.3 steals, and that's where the value is. But where is he fitting in? CJ McCollum's the starting point guard. Um, they drafted Dyson Daniels. Devontae Graham is still there. Daniels probably, I would expect, does not play early on. And it's Alvarado, Graham, and McCollum, and Jose gets 24-25. And I thought Willie Green screwed up a bit by not giving Alvarado more minutes at times last season. Could he become like the next sort of Gary Payton, who averages 1.7 steals, four of the opposite to Payton in terms of efficiency, but in terms of defensive impact? Big steals, good assists. Ten could he average 10, 3, 5, and 2 steals? Maybe. Could he play like a 26-minute, like similar to what Devontae Graham played last year, so 26 to 28 minute a night roll off the bench? Could they just give those minutes to Alvarado this season? I'm not thinking he's going to be a standard league draftable guy, but as an undrafted player, some of the impact stuff straight up there is unbelievably impressive. And that we have to pay attention to. We also have to pay attention to a couple of young centers. Onyeka Okongwu. Top 90 across the board. 87th in EPM. 83rd in LeBron. 69th in Raptor. Giggity. Um, Clint Capella is still there. Clint Capella is probably still going to remain there. And no, I don't think Okongwu and Capella can really play together. But I would be still investing very highly in Okongwu. I think that he is a starting NBA center who can have Jakob Pertl type fantasy impact with better free throws. Okongwu was at 8-6 and six in 20 minutes last season, 1.3 blocks with an astonishing true shooting of 71%. He was 139th in fantasy, playing 21 minutes. You push that to 29, that's top 70 right there easily. Possible top 40 upside. And he's heading into his third season. It is not outrageous. Maybe it's a little outrageous, but it is not outrageous for a bloke who's 21 right, to take a gigantic step and just on merit become the starting center ahead of Clint Capella. I give it a 10% chance of happening, but I give it a 90% chance of him playing well enough where the Hawks go, we don't actually need Clint. And this is his last season or we move on or whatever. Clint's still useful and valuable, but the, the age gap there, is pretty significant. It's seven years difference between them. Clint's still only 27 and averaged 11 and 12. But 
there is a the twenty seven minutes versus twenty minutes we split last season. Maybe that comes to 25-23, 26-22. Or maybe a Kongwu goes to 26 and Capella plays 22. I don't think that's outrageous. And his impact was really good. It all ties into what I saw from him coming out of USC, what his initial projections look like, and the way that he played. And he's had two interrupted seasons as well. So we worry about the injuries a little bit. But there's massive value there. This one, when I looked at the list, the next guy I'm going to look at, I was surprised. Dayron Sharp. Top 100. Across the board. 99th in EPM, 79th in LeBron, and 84th in Raptor. Dayron Sharp, for those of you who don't know, was a late first-round pick last season by the Brooklyn Nets. I didn't really like the pick, but he did have a really, really strong NBA skill, and that was rebounding. He played 12 minutes a night. He ranked 348th in fantasy. That's not good. He averaged 6-5. and five. He shot poorly from the field, but what he did do is he blocked shots. He was efficient finishing, and he rebounded the absolute hell out of it. 6-5 and five in 12 minutes. In 12 minutes. Per 36, that's 15 rebounds. It's 1.5 blocks, 58% shooting. Yes, the free throws are bad. Their centers, there's Blake Griffin's gone. I don't know if Aldridge is back. Their team is blowing up completely, so there's a lot to still go on with the Nets. They did bring Claxton back, but and Claxton could be solid. But I wouldn't... I, Claxton's going to be the hot name, for sure. And I think that means that at this point, Dayron Sharp's played 32 NBA games at 12 minutes a game. His value is nothing. It's not there. This is one to invest in at a low, low cost in a dynasty format and see what happens. I'm not sure that Claxton's big enough or strong enough to be a a 32-minute-a-night center. I like Claxton a lot, and this is his opportunity. He will be the better player this season, I'm pretty sure. But Sharp is interesting. Interesting. What else is interesting? Bilpa. Coconut brownie chunk puff. Chunk puff. Wow. Chunk puff. That sounds like a, an X-rated website, but that doesn't matter because Built Bar is here to provide you with just flavors. They've got flavors just pouring out of everywhere. So many great flavors. So many new inventions. You loved the coconut brownie chunk Built Bar flavor, and now it's back in puff form. It's a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. These are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, low fat, but high in fiber and high in protein. And the best part about those Built Puffs is they taste amazing. And you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. The perfect treat. Perfect when you've got a craving, when you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you've got a quick, healthy snack, they're a great source of protein. So you can get them at 15% off right now. Get that delicious coconut, rich sweet brownie, and creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. The code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off. Built Bar is... Built. Different. Two more names that I want to talk about here. Terrence Davis's name has been lost in the mix a little bit in um, Sacramento. He started to put together some pretty interesting numbers last season. He played only 18 minutes a night and played only 30 games. And he's just turned 25. But he was 69th in Raptor and 82nd in LeBron and 153rd in EPM. The assumption is I would, I guess that Mitchell and Fox start together and they've brought in Malik Monk, who's another interesting player, and they've brought in fan of pants, Kevin Herter. So where does Davis fit? He averaged 10 and three. He averaged a steal a game in 18 minutes. And he did, didn't do that while shooting outrageous numbers, 33% from three. Good usage guy. Is there a world in which he ends up a better player than Malik Monk? Yeah. 
Is he a better player than Davion Mitchell? Could he be that? Yeah. Um, it is crowded there. And he has had some off-court issues for sure. I don't know if that actually... I think it ended up getting thrown out that charge. So, yeah. Um, but he's a forgotten name. Forgotten name. Because of Mitchell, because of um, Monk, and because of Herder. He's well down the list there. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see a few little moments from Terrence Davis. And... You're battling against Herder. You're battling against Mitchell. You're battling against Monk. These aren't established all-stars. They're not established sub-all-stars. They're not established fringe all-stars. There's probably going to be zero all-star games between the three of those guys in their career. And I don't think there's one for Davis, but you're not battling against great players. So there is a possibility. The other guy to look at here is Cameron Johnson, who last season was a really interesting player. When they had players go out, the old Phoenix Suns, Johnson would step up and play well. And then when anyone would come back in, he'd really struggle. But he finished 127th. He played 26 minutes a night. He is older, 26. He averaged 12 and 4. And the worry we always have is that, you know, outside of shooting threes and getting some usage, what's he doing? His usage was only 18% because, as I said, it spiked when players were out and then it just fell away when players were back. But advanced metrics, loved him. This is why I had him in my... I might have even picked him for sixth man of the year. I thought he was really impressive. 97th EPM, 114th LeBron, 52nd in Raptor. And the Suns, there's so much noise about Kevin Durant going there. Irrespective, there's noise about Jay Crowder moving on. But if they move on from Crowder and Bridges and Aiden, and maybe Durant comes in, Johnson's probably going to play more minutes. He probably goes to 28 minutes this season. And the 12 points maybe becomes 15 and he averages 15 and six with three threes and a steal and does it pretty efficiently. Your window for him to be successful is narrow because of his age, but he put it on the board with advanced production last season. And now you can just see a crack in the clouds where there is a sliver of value and a sliver of opportunity opening, whether that is through a Crowder move or a Crowder Bridges move or Duran acquisition or whatever. There is an opening, just the crack is just appearing and maybe we're going to see something happen there. Some other names that caught my attention, which I'm not fully going into here because they didn't appear on all of the lists, was Jared Vanderbilt, opportunity rising for him. JaVale McGee, which I hated the signing, but if they're going to start him, which is stupid. If they're going to start him, he's an interesting player, even though he is older. Herb Jones, but we all sort of know about Herb. Dan Gafford, although his minutes are not going to be there with Paul Zingas, but we know that if KP gets hurt, Gafford's going to, going to rise. Um, Paul Reed, top 100 in LeBron. It's not going to happen this season, but we like him. Isaiah Jackson, Omer Yurtseven, and Justice Winslow. They were all ranked 98th, 99th, and 100th in LeBron. Isaiah Jackson's the big interesting one there to me. Um, Max Struess, Trey Jones was 69th in Raptor. Caleb Martin was 74th. And Austin Reeves was 97th. So some interesting numbers for some impact players. Max Strews, 66th as well. Some interesting players. Oh, Gary Bird, 42nd in Raptor. I don't buy that one. But Trey Jones, Max Strews, Caleb Martin, Markel Fultz, Austin Reeves, Isaiah Jackson, Paul Reed, Herb Jones, JaVale McGee. Some interesting names that maybe can have an impact. And that will do it for me today. Hopefully, we get some sort of trades or off-season news or whatever happening in the next 24 hours. But follow this podcast. There'll be something coming out. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And on the Odyssey app here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.
Sehr.